Easter and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Hey there, freedom seekers. Ever wonder about the hero that lives inside of you, ready to conquer the business world? Well, if you've been listening to our show for a while, then you know that we love exploring hero myths and using them to better understand our own heroic journeys. I wanted to make these stories even more actionable for you, so we built a way for you to uncover your business superpowers, avoid potential pitfalls, and see your entrepreneurial journey in a whole new light. Ready to discover your business owner hero type? Check out the show notes or head over to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash quiz to take our free quiz and learn which heroic energy you embody in your business. It only takes a few minutes and it's free. Your heroic journey awaits. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm Ben Easter. I'm here with Paige Easter. And today we are here to talk about self-trust. I'm excited to talk about self-trust. Paige, I think this is one of the things that so many, not just business owners, but so many humans struggle with. The, uh, you know, the willingness to trust ourselves to make decisions and to take actions that are in our best interest. I really want to unravel it and help people kind of think about it in different ways and cultivate some practices. By the end of this episode, you should not only have an idea of the sense of the impact of self-trust on your reality, but also uh, have some tools and some techniques for increasing your sense of self-trust, enhancing your self-trust, uh, building confidence, and uh, and even maybe accepting yourself a little bit more. Love that. To kick us off, I'd really love to hear from you, Ben. How does somebody know that they could use some work on their relationship to self-trust? Like what's going on in people's reality that might be a signal to them? Maybe this is an area that they can start looking at that would help them. So I think if you're having trouble making decisions or you're like you, you feel really indecisive in general, I think that can be a good clue. I think if you're afraid of taking action because you might experience rejection or you might experience failure or hard, having a hard time getting yourself to take action, that might be a, a signal that it, it's time to work on your self-trust. If you're finding yourself struggling with like perfectionism and you're like really wanting to make it everything right or you're like looking for the right way or the perfect way or, you know, um, anytime the way is like a part of your consideration for what right. actions you're going to take, like, you know, the, the, there's the word the in there, the right, mm. the best, the smartest, the safest, the something, um, you know, cause the means there is one and only one thing such that the thing is the, the thing. And so, um, so anytime that kind of stuff is coming up or if you're stuck in procrastination, that can be a clue that you are struggling with some self-trust issues. And uh, that this might be the podcast for you. Cool, yeah. And so what is it that we're talking about when we're talking about self-trust? Some words that come to my mind are identity or this self-talk, the story or narration of ourselves that we're telling that 
is kind of the foundation for the kinds of decisions that we make in the world. Is that how you're thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's trust. Trust yourself to what I think was a is a really interesting reflection question, like um, struggling with self-trust, like and I think it really comes down to two things. Trust yourself to take actions that are in alignment with your best interest and trust yourself to make good decisions. Okay. And I'm using that language intentionally, that good decisions language, because I think that's the kind of language that comes up in people's head. Um, I think good, bad, right, wrong, these are things that can kind of get us stuck in this perfectionism kind of thinking. Um, when what we're really talking about is alignment or effectiveness or something like that. And so um, I think that even that kind of a language shift can be something that kind of frees us up a little bit from these self-trust issues. But yeah, we're essentially talking about um, having a hard time trusting that you're going to make a decision that's going to be effective for you or that you're going to take the actions that are going to be in alignment with that decision that you've made. Yeah, this is resonating with me. I think that sometimes I have an experience where I want something in the world and I hesitate to take action or make decisions because I feel like maybe I won't actually do those things. I And I can't envision myself actually showing up because I like I don't trust myself to have my own back. And um, yeah, that's how it, that's how it feels for me sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, you're not alone. I mean, this is like one of the more common things that shows up for people. It's any time that like our momentum gets halted. I think that this can be something. But you actually said something really interesting there. I can't envision myself doing the thing. And I think that mm -hmm. is actually one of the ways that we can actually yeah. repair our relationship with our self-trust is we can start to envision ourselves doing the thing that we want and like really get super granular with breaking it down into the very like detailed actions that you would take and imagine yourself actually taking those actions. And, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about like de handling negative emotions and being willing to, for all that stuff. We'll talk about acceptance stuff as well. But uh, I think creating a vision for your reality can be a really useful step, first step for um, effectively increasing your self-trust. It sounds like to start off with there. But because you mentioned kind of being in alignment and when I hear alignment, I think about core values. So it sounds like before kind of repairing relationship with self-trust, we would start with kind of who am I? What's important to me? What do I really want out of this life? Is that how you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important. I mean, look, the kinds of things that people say to themselves when they're dealing with self-trust is like, I don't trust myself to do that thing. You know, I've said that I'll do it a million times. I never do it. You know, like, what is the situation? And I think, yes, there is a there is a a skill set of increasing our self-command and our ability to, to will ourselves to do something. OK, now willpower is a, a topic for its own podcast, I think, and it has its place and it's much, uh, I think, overestimated the power of willpower. But before we get to the like the technical aspects of like, how do you command yourself to do things? How can you increase your skill of self-command? And we can talk a little bit about some ways to do that, like making small commitments to yourself and then doing them over and over again, builds self-trust. Trust is like a relationship. You know, we're, we're really talking about the relationship with ourselves, right? And trusting relationships are rooted in honesty and authenticity. You know what I mean? And that's like mm -hmm. the essence of it. And so if we're, if we're trying to build our sense of self-trust, I think it starts with an understanding of ourselves, of a, an actual authentic understanding of what moves us, what drives us, what do we genuinely care about? And so this is where there's like a dovetail with acceptance. Because if, if you don't believe that you're, you're worthy of being a human being and having desires, if there are parts of you that you're like, oh yeah, those parts, they're not acceptable. You know, 
then when we're sitting down to set goals and actions for ourselves and plans for our life and our future, we might be operating from a place of should or obligation, like what we think other people want for us or what we think we should do according to what other people think. And that Mm -hmm. stuff is a denial of the self. It's a denial of autonomy. It's really poor on our motivation in general because we lose intrinsic motivation when we cut ourselves off from our our autonomy, our sense of freedom, okay? And so I think it's really, really useful to, before we even talk about how to keep the promises that we make to ourselves, that we first make sure that we're making promises to ourselves that are in alignment with what we really care about in the world and who we actually want to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I'm feeling curious about the idea of, because we we were talking about self-command and I love this idea. The way I think about it is how do I say in my brain, I'm going to do something and then get myself to do the thing, right? And I think there's a risk of using the word command because I think sometimes we want to try to strong arm ourselves or browbeat or berate ourselves into showing up. And and because like if I'm not hard on myself, then how will I ever show up for myself seems to be the trap that sometimes people get stuck in. Yeah, like I got to beat myself up in order to succeed. And I think that that's in opposition to self-trust because it's kind of like we're saying we're casting a vision where I want to do this thing, but I probably won't. And so I need to double down and tell myself harder to do the thing. And Hmm. really, it's coming from a place of a visualization where it doesn't work out. It's in opposition to self-trust. Totally. And because then what happens to our sense of self-trust, right, when we're having that relationship where we're trying to beat ourselves up i mean do you trust someone who's always trying to beat you up (laughs) like like what happens to your trust with someone else when they're trying to beat you up to get you to do things all the time right yeah exactly yeah 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 so i really think i think this this question and it's a it's a longer conversation to figure out what is actually in alignment with you it can be i think challenging to approach life from this perspective because if you're like most people you pro- like it's not like they teach us in school to evaluate what we really care about, what lights us up, what our skills and abilities are, what our passions are, what our core values are, what moves us in the world. It's not like that's like a course that we take in college. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. somebody <laughs> liberal arts college, um, but it wasn't something that I took in college. And I think uh, it's I think without doing that kind of reflection, without coming to a understand those things and b accept that those things are like have a story a version of reality where it's okay for everyone to like exactly the things that they like okay mm-hmm. now you might disagree with what someone else likes okay but you're not going to disagree with what you like and so to find a place in your heart and in your spirit and in your soul that it's okay for you to like exactly what you like i think is a first step in self trust because otherwise we're always rejecting ourselves on some level Right. And then when Mm -hmm. we're setting up our goals or our vision for our future and we're like, oh, well, I should be a doctor because doctors make a lot of money and they help people. And like, that's the thing that's like and my my parents would love it if I was a doctor. And that's the story that you're telling. But actually, you have very little interest in biology or physiology and like these things don't light you up. Then it's like we're going to be banging our head against the wall trying to get ourselves like to do this thing over and over again. And it's like it's going to take all this willpower. Now, look, you can cultivate willpower again. I. I want to hold space for that. And is that the kind of relationship with your life that you want to have where you're always white knuckling your way through it? Or would it be more delightful to navigate via desire? And so I think a a first Mm -hmm. step in self-trust is to really like understand 
who you are and then decide to start to cultivate, even to just decide that you're the kind of person who's going to build self-trust is a really useful exercise, right? And then to start to navigate your world via your desires, the things that you like, the things that you enjoy. Anything to add to that, Paige? Yeah. Yeah, I am just thinking about um, being in touch with what we want and then having the trust that it is possible. Like everything in the world is figureoutable. It's just a sequence of steps and some kind of research or learning or asking questions and then a willingness to kind of show up and maybe look a little silly along the way as you're developing a skill set to get there. But I think that this is an important part of self-trust is um, just believing that you can handle it. Whatever difficult emotion, whatever failure, whatever other people think, it'll be fine. And you'll keep showing up and it'll keep being okay. And each time you take a little risk, you make a little deposit in your self-trust bucket, developing the story, collecting evidence that you've got it. You can figure it out. Totally. And that's, and that's why I think it's so important to, to start with knowledge, like self-understanding and acceptance, because you want to pick a lovable project. The thing is, no matter what you want, if it's a cool thing out there in the world, it's going to stand behind some kind of uncomfortable emotions. And I think so much of what self-trust is, what the issue with self-trust is, is that we don't trust ourselves to experience whatever those negative emotions are. And, I, and, and so experiencing those negative emotions is one thing, but like having a reason to experience those negative emotions because you really care about the thing that you're in the pursuit of, you know what I mean? Because it's going to take a lot of failure. Yeah. And you're, you totally. mentioned possibility. I think it's a thing that gets in the way of self-trust a lot of times you hit the nail on the head is like not believing that it's possible. Right. And so we do want to have a find a place in our world where it's possible to find that mindset of possibility. I mean, I, I love to go to the, the, the discovery of human flight and aviation. I think that's really cool because like there was a time when that was absolutely impossible. Everybody would have said it was absolutely impossible. And now we fly all the time. And it just took persistence and people who were passionate enough about doing it. Because how many failed attempts did all of the different people who tried to make flying machines have before the Wright brothers came up with an actual working airplane upon which we could iterate? And even then, that one didn't work all that well. It couldn't go that far. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like yeah. it takes it takes a certain amount of persistence, a certain amount of failure, a certain amount of risk. Like in the in the case of flying, like there was actually the risk of death and dismemberment and all kinds of other things mm -hmm. if your if your flying machine doesn't goes down. You know what I mean? So, you know, having a, a lovable project, picking something that you can cultivate an obsession with. And that, I think, really relies on understanding who you are, what you really care about, what moves you mm -hmm. as a person. And then we set yeah. up our, our promises to ourselves in alignment with those so that we have something totally. driving us through that pain. And I think part of what also drives us to a kind of away from self-trust is yeah, we want to choose a lovable project and we want to get really excited about it and choose something that gets us out of bed in the morning. And also it seems like there's a little bit of a risk of the degree to which we really, really, really care about something and we really, really want it in the world is the same risk of kind of starting to play with the idea that what if it doesn't work out? And yeah, like having this thing that's so, yeah, this thing that's so important and how awful would it feel if the most important thing to me didn't ever work out? I just think it's fascinating when we think that thought, like, what if it doesn't work out? Like, what if this thing that I care so much about doesn't work out? Because what's really interesting, and practically speaking, 
thinking that thought, asking that question, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, the very, the thing that you, yeah. you're wanting to avoid in experiencing a situation where this thing that you care so much about doesn't come to be is exactly the thing that you're experiencing right now. It's not coming to be because you're, you're having that thought because you know, that you know, you're not taking action in it. You're not moving toward it. So you can guarantee for yourself the result of it not coming to be if you don't take any action toward it. Yeah, exactly. But I think part of self-trust, again, for me, it feels a lot like a lot of it is about the story that we're telling, the narrations that we're making about what's possible in the world, who we are in the world, what we're capable of. And I think a really big part of personal development is and because I think so much of those kinds of thoughts are happening at the unconscious level. Like we get used to thinking them so many times. There's like 80,000 thoughts a day or something like that. And only like 5% of them are original new thoughts in a day. And so if we're thinking them over and over again, we're not putting our attention. What are what is it that we're actually envisioning about ourselves or the story or mental pictures we make about ourselves? And so part of the personal development work is like asking yourself, like, what are the stories I'm telling myself about, about myself and making them explicit and then using our intentional minds to create a different story, which doesn't come naturally. It takes a lot of conscientious effort, especially if we're really deeply habituated to not telling a very kind possible story about ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, I love that you, you use the word narration. Because that's what that's kind of what's happening inside our head is there's like, you know, there's like the activities that we're doing in our day to day life. And then there's like a narrator in our head that's like narrating how those like how that story goes. Um, interesting mm-hmm. side note, I heard that some there's some percentage of the population that actually doesn't hear a voice in their head. Like they don't hear a narration and they think in other ways. I, I get so curious about that. I mean, obviously, there's no way to know, you know, like, <laughs> but because it's in other people's heads. But I wonder like are they doing it they're just doing it in a different way like i can't imagine a brain working in a way that doesn't have some kind of version of reality playing out in your head like how else would it work but um anyway if you're one of those people i would love to have a conversation with you please reach out if you uh, on on a total side note but for most people there's like a narrator that's happening inside your head and i think it's so interesting i like using the word narrator because it separates out the experience from the the version that's being told about it like you can imagine the same events being narrated in a completely different way. And then the events have a completely different meaning to the, the person like watching okay. the movie or reading the book or whatever. Right. Depending on what details the narrator highlights, you know, what, you know, what context the narrator puts everything in. And so um, mm-hmm. I really like this idea of like kind of like taking control of your narrator um, and be being deliberate choosing intentionally choosing the narration that you're telling about the story because because just doing that can create a lot of resourcefulness and uh, possibility yeah exactly so here's a question what what's the distinction between like a healthy version of self-trust versus like a blind optimism or maybe even kind of like an arrogance or overconfidence i'd love to hear your thoughts about that so funny because I personally don't believe that there is such a thing as overconfidence. Like, why not believe that you can do something? What downside could possibly come from believing that you can do something? Um, now, arrogance is a different question. Arrogance has some sort of like, I'm better than you, I think, <laughs> you know, aspect to it, like tone to it. And that I think can be destructive for a lot of reasons. Like, you if we're interacting with other people as though we're better than them, first of all, what happens to those relationships? What's the partnership like? That sort of thing. Um, but as far as like believing that you can do something, 
you know, I love the the very famous Henry Ford quote, whether you believe you can do something or you believe you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, yeah. we, you know, we know from the mindset work, but that is, that is exactly what it's like. And so <clears throat> I can't okay. imagine there being too much believing in yourself possible because that very question I think is like, well, what about disappointment? What about then when I try to do something and it doesn't work out, then what will happen? Then what will, what will I make that mean about myself? If I was confident that I could do something and then I couldn't do it, then what will I, what story will I tell about myself? What will the narrator say then? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. the fear that's underlying that question. And for me, it's like, well, if you, again, I'm going to take you back to the Wright brothers. How many times did they try and fail? How many times did people try and fail to fly before they actually mm-hmm. figured out how to do it? Just because you fail at something doesn't mean that you can't do it. Okay. And so like, and Henry Ford, actually the model T, I think I forget how many versions of it, but his like engineers were coming to him and saying like, dude, this is impossible. There is no fucking way that we can do this. It cannot happen. What you want cannot happen. And he's like, figure it out. (laughs) And they did. They ultimately did figure it out. We're talking about the future. So one thing that's really important to understand is that nobody's got a crystal ball. You cannot know the future. Okay. And so any story that you choose to believe about that future, whether you think you can do it or you think you can't do it, is necessarily a lie, okay? And when you're believing that you can't do it, how likely are you to take actions in alignment with it? Not very. Not very, exactly. Because it, it doesn't feel possible. Why would, why would you invest the energy in trying to figure it out when your brain is already telling the story that it's not possible? Yeah. Why would I ever waste energy? Right. Our brain's job is like keep us alive and preserve energy. Right. Preserve resources. And so if you're like if you're narrating and if you're commanding your brain, this is not possible. If you're saying that to yourself in your brain, it's not possible. Your brain's going to be like, cool, let's go back to the couch. There's no reason to take any action here. We're fine. Everything's fine. Just stay safe. Right. But if you believe that it's possible, you're at least willing to take action toward it, maybe. If you believe it's possible, your brain is not going to at least say this is going to be a waste of time. This is going to be a waste of energy. And so I, and since either of those stories is necessarily a fiction because they're happening in the future and we don't have access to the future, why not tell yourself a fiction that's resourceful? Right. And, and so this goes back to the mm-hmm. same thing with like the confidence story. It's like, why not tell the story that you're a confident person? Why not tell the story that you can do any fucking thing that you want to? Right. Because. At the very least, we're not cutting ourselves off from possibilities, right? If we're, if we're believing that we're confident, we're not saying, oh, well, mm-hmm. it's impossible for me. I'm not going to be able to figure it out, that sort of thing, right? So get yeah. delusional. Yeah. Tell yourself that every, you can do anything that you want to do. Like get yourself into that state. I mean, who, you can't be wrong. As long as you keep trying, you can either achieve the thing that you want or you die trying, right? Like that's, that's how failure works. Success is literally equal yeah. to failed attempts plus one. So, you know, get out there, get doing your trying. The enemy is anything that stops you from making attempts. If you want to succeed in something, mm-hmm. your enemy yeah. is anything that gets in the way of you taking, making attempts at it, figuring out how, trying to do it. Yeah. Just wanted to add this study that I heard about recently where people, it's kind of in the realm of positive psychology and learned helplessness and how to overcome it. And they did this study where they had two groups, one group. And it was basically like the people get a mild shock and then there's like these buttons that they can push and they're pushing the buttons to try and get these shocks to stop happening. But the buttons actually have nothing to do with whether or not they get shocked. 
And people who tend to be more optimistic believed that they had some kind of agency over pushing buttons. That like there was some kind of way that they could like a code and, or a combination so of buttons. We're like, no, there's there's nothing to be exactly, exactly. And the pessimists were like, no, there's nothing I can do about this. And the pessimists were actually right, but the optimists felt better just by believing that they had some ability to impact their reality in some kind of way. And imagine just by holding the belief that I have some kind of control or some ability to impact my reality. And even just in that small scenario, like the impact isn't that big, but imagine the rest of your life. If you just go around assuming that you can have impact or change things, how much more powerful you can be. So you mean the, the, they felt better about the shocks themselves, like the shocks were less painful or they, contextualized in some Well, I think that they get to have the optimistic experience of believing because they get to keep trying. There's something to do instead of just like laying down and accepting your fate. Yeah. And I think that there's like, but there's like this maybe societal or maybe just like a misconception in my own brain and association with like real being really important. Like, it's really cool that the pessimists get to be right, that in that scenario, they didn't have any agency at all. They had no way of decreasing the shocks that they were getting. Um, but is it more useful to be right in that situation? Or is it more useful to, be like, maybe be a little delusional, but be the kind of person that thinks that they can do more than maybe they actually can? Yeah. I mean, because what you're saying is, like, bring to mind the, the term misery. Right. It's like if you if you don't believe that you have any agency over your suffering, even if you're right, even if it's a true like, quote unquote, true story. Now, I even in that scenario, even in that experiment, I can hear how that's not actually true. They do have there's I, they can figure some way out to get out of that shock thing. OK, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but let's let, even in that scenario, let's buy into the scenario for a second and say that even if that's true, if you're just accepting of the pain and you you're you you've given up your agency well that's the experience of misery that is like we're now dwelling in not only is it painful but there's nothing i can do about it and that is a very yeah. uncomfortable experience whereas even if there is nothing you can do about it having the belief that there might be something you can do about it and again i'm obviously an optimist because i'm like even in that experiment there's things that you can do you can find where the electrodes are coming from you can talk the doctors into getting you out you know like you can fake you can break out of the room physically like some there's some way to figure it out. Um, but but, you know, like the idea being that regardless and you can hear even as I'm saying these things, these possible options. Right. All of a sudden there's hope and there's a completely different relationship mm -hmm. with the shocks. Right. There's a it's a there's a puzzle to be solved. There's an opportunity to be had. And that, I think, is really, really useful. So if we can keep ourselves in that we can at the very least have a different valence of emotions in our in our body. We can feel better in the world mm -hmm. and you know yeah, at the end totally. of the day what's more important than feeling good you know we're uh yeah exactly everybody's gonna die at some point you know yeah might as well enjoy the ride something yeah exactly something we haven't talked about yet is um the idea of decision making how does self-trust play a role in decision making um well i, I think that's part of the essence of what self-trust is is like we trust ourselves to make decisions that are in alignment for ourselves. And I think this is related back to the acceptance thing. It's like, we're going to make decisions one way or the other. You're going to make a decision. Like you kind of are going to either make the default decision or you're going to make some other decision. 
but either way, you're going to make a decision. Uh, like the, I think it's the Rush song. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And, uh, and so we're going to make a decision regardless. What self-trust is, I think, is about the question of like, do I trust myself to make the right decision? And again, that, this is where like, I'm going to put it in air quotes because I think that's what gets in the way of the, the experience of self-trust. Because there is a version, there's a narration of the story that is, there's no way to make a wrong decision, right? And so do I trust myself to make a decision and then deal with whatever the experience is that comes up afterwards? Because I think this is where part of what gets in the way or what self-trust is really about is, do you trust yourself to be able to handle any experience? Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, that the the fact is you're going to handle the experience regardless. You yeah. might cry, you might suffer, you might have whatever, but you're going to handle the experience or it's going to kill you. And then we're not going to be having the conversation anymore anyway. Right. And so it's like, it's like, th this is where I think it's really interesting. Like the idea of complaining or like our brains complaining, like hard is just a word that we use when our brain's complaining. It's like, you yeah. might have whatever experience, but whether it's hard or easy, that's up to you. You get to decide whether or not that's hard or easy. It's exactly what it is, right? Which is such a silly thing to say, but it's also very true. Everything is exactly what it is. And so you're either going to tell a story that it should be otherwise, which is not that useful because it should be exactly as it is being, right? There's not, there, what, do you, what would you base a, that story on other than reality? And the reality is saying, actually, it's this way. You know what I mean? And so our willingness to accept whatever those experiences are and to, to again, tell a useful narration around them. Cause again, the, the story of the shocks, right? It's like, are the shocks bad or are the shocks a puzzle to be figured out? Right. And you could hear, you even imagine them getting out of that experiment and saying, Oh, well, you know, th those shocks, there was no way out, but actually those shocks were a way for me to, to advance the progress of science and so now there's a resourceful story about it okay and so it's like now we're making meaning of it and then refer you to victor frankel man's search for meaning but this is like what we're what we're talking about is like what's the context that you're putting your experiences in because i think that is one of the ways that we can really come to trust ourselves with regardless of the circumstances regardless of what happens out in the world you can trust yourself to experience them to tell a resourceful story about them to maintain optimism to maintain resourcefulness right and all of that stuff is within you it's totally within your own control love that you're bringing up out the world out there having its own thing going on and then there's this other part of reality that's like and you as a person and the meaning that you make and the explanations for why things happen that you create in your mind and how that impacts your experience of the reality and what i think is so important about this is that it's really empowering that no matter what is going on out there, what things I try and fail at, what things don't go my way, what things that I wish could be different, I can still manage what's going on inside my mind and have a pleasant experience in the moment. Yeah. And I think that there's an art, there's a, like a subconscious, if not conscious argument against this, like, well, no, but these things are actually happening in the world. These like, there are these facts about the world, like, you know, it's actually, you know, there's no money in my bank account or it's actually that I'm in a lot of pain. Right. And and what I just like want to hold space for is that, yes, that is because those are just narrations. Right. That's just like what the narrator is directing your attention to. Right. So there's no money in my bank account. 
And he was given the opportunity to experience the, the motivation to grow through this moment, right? Like, li- li- it's a totally different narration, right? There's a lot of pain. And he, is, and he is given the experience of being incredibly present in the moment and actually being here undeniably, like, you know, present in this moment, not in the future, not in the past, in this moment now. And now we have a completely different narration. Now, does that make the pain any different? It doesn't. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it, it doesn't change the experience that you're having, but actually it does change the experience that you're having. So, I mean, that's like the thing that I really like want to hold space for and keep reminding us all in this mindset podcast, right, is that the, the story that you are telling about the world, the narration that you are giving is your experience of the world. That is everything about your experience of the world. The just like when you're watching a movie where the camera is and the dialogue determines what your experience of the movie is, so too does the monologue inside your head and the literal camera angle where you point your lenses, right? Mm-hmm. Determines your experience of the movie. And so, yeah, yeah, I feel like we got pretty far afield from self trust there. It's all related though. <laughs> <laughs> But this is this has been a really great conversation page to sum up. I think uh, if you're if you're wanting to experience more confidence, if you're wanting to experience more self-trust in your actions, and your decision making. Be aware of the narration that you're telling. Understand that it's going to have a huge impact on your reality. Come to understand what drives you as a person, your core values, your motivations, your intrinsic desires and navigate your world via those things. And then and then from that place make promises to yourself around those things and cultivate the practice of keeping your promises to yourself. And we can do another podcast on that at a different time, but that's how you can actually cultivate the skill, the more of the self-command or the self-discipline quote unquote things is, um, <laughs> is you can actually strengthen your willpower by saying you're going to do something and then doing it. And then that builds our relationship, just like it builds a relationship with another person. You know, when they do what they say they're going to do, you come to trust them to do what they say they say they're going to do. So it's the same thing with you. And you can start small if you're feeling like you're really out of alignment with yourself um, and you can make increasingly bigger swings at at promises to yourself. So any final thoughts other than those, Paige? I just want to say as a final thought that if you're listening to this podcast, I'm absolutely certain that whatever is in your reality, whatever kind of dreams that you have, that you can handle it. You can figure it out. And it's not really that helpful for me to say that. So if it if you feel resistance to me telling you that, I want to encourage you to practice internalizing that. Say that to yourself over and over, Try and over again until it feels more. Try natural. on the story. Yeah. What's it gonna what's it gonna hurt? Visualize it. Imagine that the story were true in an alternate dimension. And what would that be like? All right. Clearly. Thanks everyone for listening and I uh, hope you live your freedom, love your life. Hey there, shifters. If you enjoy the podcast and you've been wanting to take your game to the next level, you might want to hear about our new program. We're calling it The Mindset Gym, and it's a virtual community where we take all the tips, tricks, and strategies, and we put them into practice. Ever notice how when you go to an exercise class, you always seem to push a little harder than when you work out on your own? Well, The Mindset Gym is like a group exercise class for your business. Imagine a community of badass business owners coming together a couple of times a month to work on their mindsets, strategies, and find some business besties. It's all about practicing together. Sound like something you might want to be a part of? Check out the link in the show notes or go to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash the dash mindset dash gym to learn more.
Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.